0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Top Flight Podcast. Ori Benatar and Esteban Bailey returning. Match day four is in the books in the Premier League. We had some pretty classic results. A lot of the big teams won, and we're also getting ready for the first international break of the club season and technically the first international break since the World Cup. Esteban, are you excited for the international break, or you're kind of one of those people that's like, ugh, international teams?
1: No, I actually love the international break. It's uh, I don't know why, but I just love watching international teams play. I know the style of football is not always the most entertaining, but I just love seeing countries play against countries. And I'm really excited for this new adjustment with the, you know, the Nations League and all these other kind of competitions that are happening right now.
0: So I'm actually really excited. I think it's going to be a great week. I agree, too, and not just the Nations League. I mean, in other sports, you got college football's back, the NFL's returning, baseball's kicking into high gear, you got the U.S. Open uh, finals this weekend, so it's going to be a fun weekend in sports. Fall's officially started, but let's talk a little bit about match day four in the Premier League. I think the right place to lead off was Sunday's game between Watford and Spurs, and the Hornets' shocking Tottenham beating them 2-1 at home, coming back from a 1-0 deficit, and now Watford are amongst four teams in Europe with a perfect record after four games, Liverpool, Chelsea, and PSG. Watford is in that company. That is insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're also forgetting Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are just, you know, it's, it's crazy that Watford is even in the conversation with any of these clubs, and Bayern Munich, et cetera. It's just it's crazy to me that, um, that Watford has had such a great start to the season, as, as I'm sure... Uh, people would tell, let me re- remind me is I did pick Watford to get relegated at the beginning of the season, but uh, wow. it's crazy. I, I I think though I think their luck is going to run out sooner rather than later. Um, I thought it was a good performance at home. I think Watford is going to be very difficult to beat at home. They're already kind of a difficult team. You know their history has shown that they're difficult to beat at home. But I, what's interesting is that I don't even think that that was their best performance of the season. Even though it's probably their best result of the season, I just think that uh, Tottenham just kind of just they they faltered when they needed to they just kind of choked uh, they took a lead off of that own goal and I thought okay Tottenham's gonna take care of business really easily and go into the international break with a hot on a high note but uh, I don't know they, it, this tottenham team it has so much talent it has a good coach the system is all right everything seems good but sometimes they just have these very strange results against lower opposition and it's just it's strange to me uh, I would have honestly expected Tottenham to be a part of that discussion of one of the undefeated teams in Europe, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I left, you know, my, my takeaway from that game was less impressed by Wofford and more disappointed by Tottenham.
0: Yeah, and if we're talking about undefeated teams across Europe, you also have to mention Juventus, uh, Bayern Munich, and Wolfsburg are both unbeaten. I believe Hertha Berlin is too. But the reason I mention Watford, Chelsea, Liverpool, PSG is because those are the only teams in the top five that have 12 points because they've played four games. So Barca and Madrid, I think, will get there. But I think with Watford, we're seeing a, a case of you lose your best player. That means other players on the team have a chance to, sh- to shine. No more Richarlison. This lets Will Hughes sign. This gives Troy Dini a chance to be a bigger player. And then Jose Holabas is playing like the best defender in the Premier League right now. And we're also kind of seeing that with Real Madrid and Juventus. Juventus is still winning games, mind you, but Ronaldo isn't scoring. And then Real Madrid lose Ronaldo and Bale and Benzema are thriving right now in La Liga play. So I think Watford's in a very similar situation to Madrid. Lose the best player allows their other pieces who weren 't able to flourish as much flourish more and Watford beating tottenham is a is a sign of maybe things to come or is this just you know early, early fire, and then it 's just going to cool down so quickly we 're used to seeing that with the hornets, but I don't know what we're going to see in their next match, which is going to be against Manchester United in two weeks. That's a big game for them at home. Speaking of Manchester United, they got the win that we said they desperately needed. They beat Burnley 2-0. Lukaku scored two goals, but Rashford did get sent off, and Paul Pogba missed a penalty. So even with a victory, United found ways to embarrass themselves. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. The Rashford red card, I thought, well... You know, Ra- Rashford is a little young. I th- I think yeah, that Burnley player is very experienced and clearly knew what he was doing. And I hate it when players get uh, sent off. I-, I was I made a little rant about that. I think last week uh, when Richarlison was also sent off for slightly headbutting uh, that Bournemouth player. But I don't know. I I, I thought that. Manchester United had at least a good first half. Lukaku was dominant. I thought Pogba had a pretty decent game. Alexis Sanchez is still yet to really impact the team. Um, The defenses, even though they didn't really give up that many chances, I still feel like the defense is a bit shaky, but getting a clean sheet, you know, that's obviously really important, and I think maybe it'll give them extra confidence going into the international break. Um, I wasn't super impressed by Manchester United, but Frankly, when they've had this kind of terrible run of form, you need a good result like this, and it doesn't matter how it comes. Just try to get the clean sheet, get a couple goals, and just you know go into the international break with at least your heads held a little high. Um, I, I want to ask you, do you think, after you know we've had the first four weeks, who would you say is the worst of the top six right now, Arsenal
0: or Manchester United? Worst of the top six... I would have to go with Manchester United. I just think that the fact that they lost two games in a row um, to Tottenham and to Brighton, much worse than Arsenal losing their opening two matches to City and Chelsea. So United have worse losses than Arsenal do. And also United is still not playing to their potential. Whereas I think Arsenal and their win against Cardiff on Sunday, that is an Arsenal that I think we can see week in and week out with Aubameyang and Lacazette both scoring and both contributing to the game. I thought Arsenal played really well offensively against Cardiff, against a team that hadn't conceded a goal in their last two games, but you can't give up two goals to Cardiff City. If there was one team that we could could have said in the beginning of the season, this is the team that's going to concede first against Cardiff, Arsenal would be that team. But I think Arsenal's in a better position right now than United, um, with both of them having six points.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting about Arsenal because, like, um, I think there. are So last season, even though it was a really very bad season, Arsenal actually had one of the best attacks in Europe. Uh, Arsen Wenger's men were very potent in the attack. But I think most Arsenal fans would tell you that just watching them kind of struggle against the more defensively stout opposition showed that maybe those stats weren't exactly, you know, the best to represent the true offensive firepower of this team. Um, And definitely Wenger's system was not really super exceptional when it came to that, but I I honestly think that Arsenal's offense this season is better than last year and it's crazy to me because... Unai Emery hasn't started Aubameyang and Lacazette together uh, often. This was the first game that he did that. Um, Mkhitaryan has really, you know, he had one good game against Chelsea, but in general has been kind of hit or miss. Ozo hasn't really had a good start to the season. Ramsey has been hit or miss as well. Um, it's interesting, but Arsenal has scored at least two goals in their last three games. And beside their game against Manchester City, uh, Arsenal has been very potent in the attack, and they've created a lot of chances. Um, and they haven't been able to finish all of them, but they're still getting a high goal rate. Um, it's just, you know, they're probably... Problems at the back are really awful. I mean, it's. I thought they were bad last season under Wenger in defense, but this year they're significantly worse. And I, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to be able to fix that because it's clear that Mustafi isn't really a top level center back and Socrates isn't really being the kind of physical center back that I was hoping he would be. Um, Bellerin is given, you know, he 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 has to work so hard to go up the field to give width to the team, and then he's always, you know, left isolated on the on the right. So I'm not sure how how Unai Emery is going to be able to fix all this. However, at least he has Aubameyang and Lacazette. I mean, that strike force is. One of the best in Europe, and I I don't think a lot of people are going to argue against against that. I mean, they're so good, and they linked up so well in that game. I mean, it was incredible. Lacazette's goal in the end was unbelievable. Aubameyang's first goal and like the last seventy-five goals uh, to out from outside the box was awesome. I mean, you, I honestly, I hope that Arsenal is able to just understand, build around these two strikers, and just try to get a really stout defense, and they'll probably be able to at least get top four, maybe even more. They're just that good.
0: Their attack is really good. For the defense, though, what's the one problem? Hashtag bring back Per I think that's the easy solution.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's bring back Per Mertesacker, Colo Torre. Uh, let's bring everybody back. Let's, let's bring a Gabriel Paulista from Villarreal. Let's, just, let's bring every old, washed-up <laughs> center back, and maybe that'll fix
0: up the defense. That's the way to fix up the defense. Yeah, I mean Arsenal's defense might as well bring everyone back. It'll solve some problems. Uh, taking a look at some of the other results for the Big uh, Six, the teams that are at the top three of the Big Six. Liverpool's unbeaten still. 2-1 two, uh, two to one win against Leicester. They did concede their first goal. Allison with some uh, unfortunate dribbling mistakes in the box. Chelsea, 2-0 against Bournemouth. Hazard and Pedro. And then Man City, a rocket from Kyle Walker, wins it for them early in the second half against Newcastle. 2-1. Newcastle has lost three games this season all three of them have been 2-1 losses to big six sides arsenal's coming up next for newcastle in two weeks so newcastle is in the relegation zone along with burnley and west ham one point for the magpies after four games but between city liverpool and chelsea i felt that chelsea played the best
1: um, I would have to agree with you. I think Chelsea has been the biggest, one of the biggest surprises for me. I didn't think that they were going to just get be this good this quickly. Um, I think Hazard has been awesome. Pedro especially has been a, like a, just a pure terror on the wing. Um, I think their defense is improving every week, obviously. Um, I think when they get a couple more players back, they're going to be even better. Um, I love Kovacic in the midfield. I'm really sad that he's playing at Chelsea as a Madrid fan, but I think he's... A really special talent, and I think he's going to work really well within Sari's system. Jorginho has been awesome. Even Morata, who hasn't scored many goals, has been pretty good. I mean, I like his movement and his link-up play. Um, maybe he just needs a little bit of confidence. And of course, now he's been called up to the Spain squad, so maybe that'll help him kind of get into the rhythm of the game a little more and get a little more confidence. But I think Chelsea has been one of the best stories of this uh, you know, first four weeks. I mean, I definitely would not have thought they would already be in contention, not only for the title. I mean, I didn't even think they would be in contention for top four this quickly but they're genuinely a, a title contender. I mean, they're ahead of Manchester City in the rankings right now. Uh, but, you know, it's actually I wanted to ask you. So, the top 4 currently, uh Liverpool first, Chelsea second, Watford in third, Man City in fourth. Um that's I let me ask you. Do you do you without, you know, I, obviously Watford is probably not going to make
0: it by the end of the season, but do you think those are going to be the top 3 for the Premier League season this year? Uh, I would say yes. As of right now, I think Chelsea have proven that they can be a top three team, a title contender also, because all the players are adapting so well to Maurizio Sarri's system. Jorginho has just glued into that team perfectly, and he is playing so well. Hazard fits in really well, and he's been playing um, to the the highest of his ability. Pedro was scoring goals. Uh, Morato and Giroud, I think, will get there. After maybe the international break, maybe get some goals in the Nations League. We'll see if they even play. But everyone's gelling in Chelsea system. Sarri knows his 11. Unlike Mourinho at United, um, and maybe sometimes with Pep at City, because Pep has so many options, Sarri knows his 11 at Chelsea. He knows exactly who his best team is, and, he's, and he knows it. And he's known it quickly. And that is, I think, why Chelsea is sitting there in that top three position, still perfect after four games. So I think that Liverpool, Chelsea City, would be my top three right now if the season had to end, or if I had to say which teams would finish top three. Watford, I think, could get top ten, but I just don't know with them. You know, this is this is the Cinderella team this season with the amazing start. That's what we saw with Lester when they won the title. I don't know if Watford can keep it up as we take a look at some of the rest of the results from match day four. Southampton gets a big win against Crystal Palace, 2-0. Alex McCarthy, a big game, had a couple of saves. Huddersfield, surprising draw at Everton. I was a bit uh, shocked to see that. Everton uh, sitting with six points. Huddersfield now with two with two consecutive draws. Fulham blowing a 2-0 lead. Glenn Murray comes back, scores two unanswered. Mitrovic and Mane now top two, the top two goal scorers in the league with four. Fulham, though, really should have won that game and really should be sitting on six points. But instead, they're with Brighton with four. And then West Ham's woes continue as Adama Traore scored in the 92nd minute at London Stadium to get Wolves their first Premier League win of the season. They're one point behind United and Arsenal, and West Ham are still the only team in the league with zero points. So Esteban, going through and looking at the table at the first international break, can you pinpoint out one team that is okay with where they're sitting now, but you think could get higher up. I'm personally looking at Fulham because they have played three pretty good games. I think that the way they're playing right now, they could really sneak into the top 10, maybe get into those that seventh, maybe sixth position the way they're playing.
1: Mm, I think that's a good choice. Um, I'm kind of torn. I would probably say the team that I think is, prob- is going to is they're, they're okay with where they're at right now, but I think they could definitely improve as the season goes along is the, the other promoted team, Wolves. I think we'll, they're in le- 11th place right now. They have five points. Um, they've had some really great performances, such as against Manchester City, but they've also had some disappointing performances. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think Wolverhampton... They need a little bit of time to really get used to the Premier League, but I do think that their quality is going to show. And it's, it's crazy that they can just bring a player like Adama Traore off the bench and he can just get a 90-second-minute winner. I mean, it's it's important to have that kind of depth throughout a long season. And I think as the season goes on, Wolves' ability to create chances, their ability to defend deep and also press high, I think it's going to you know eventually even out and Wolves is going to get that top-ten finish eventually as the season moves on. Um, definitely maybe either taking Bournemouth or Watford's place in the top. 10 at this moment, but uh, I'm going to flip this around on you. It's interesting that we both had Huddersfield and we both had Cardiff to be relegated this season. Uh, Both teams are just right above the relegation zone, both with two points, uh, 16th and 17th. It's interesting. So you have Newcastle, Burnley, West Ham. They've had the worst start to the season. Um, almost unsurprisingly, if you really looked at it, West Ham, of course, has had bad starts in previous years, especially when they go on big spending sprees. Burnley was doing a European campaign, and I, th- I think I picked Burnley to finish lower than a lot of people just because I thought that European campaign was going to really negatively affect them. Plus, Joe Hart is a terrible goalkeeper, um, except for that save this weekend, which was crazy. But uh, And then Newcastle, I feel, is probably the one that's that had the most hard hard luck this entire season they've played against high level opposition they've played very well against high level opposition but they just haven't been able to get that final push to get those extra points and it's maybe that'll affect them as the season goes along but I do think that Newcastle is eventually going to rise but I wanted to ask you of those three Newcastle Burnley West Ham which of those three are most likely to get relegated with Huddersfield and Cardiff who I still think are going to get relegated
0: uh, out of those three, Burnley. Burnley is just awful. They are playing so horribly right now. Sorry, John Patrick, but dude, the Clarets are just bad. But this is a time that they can, you know, reset themselves and they can rest because this is going to be the first time in. About, I think, five or... It's going to be the first time in six weeks that Burnley isn't playing a game on Thursday. And the last four weeks, they have played two games in the week. Something that none of the other Premier League teams had had to face until last week when there was Carabao Cup matches. So, and then the top six clubs who are in the Champions League Sasha Europa League, next... The... Two weeks from now is going to be the first time that they're going to have a double dose of games with league action and then European action later in that middle of the week. So Burnley is going to need some rest. But the way that they're playing right now is just awful. They can't score goals. They can't keep clean sheets anymore. They started off not conceding anything. And then they've just been conceding goals after goals against so many teams. I don't know why what they saw in Joe Hart. I mean, they kind of had to sign him because of the injury to Nick Pope. Um, But you have Tom Heaton in there. Uh, Hopefully he can get healthy enough and he can become the starter for Burnley at some point because Joe Hart is just done. He has West Ham form right now, even though he started the season on Birmingham form. So before we go to the international stuff, quick best of the weekend. Best match for me, Cardiff Arsenal. (laughs) Well...
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. That was just uh, a heart attack wrapped in a in a, in a bacon burger. Like It was just so crazy to watch, and I hated watching every second of it, but I also loved watching every second of it just because this Arsenal team is probably the most entertaining Arsenal team of the last three seasons, um, entertaining in both senses. It's just, it's a nightmare to watch this defense. They they cannot contain anyone. They always give up really stupid chances. And for some reason, Peter Check is still trying to play it out the back. Um, it's crazy, I think, but it... Surprisingly, I don't even feel that horrible about this team. It's I didn't have expectations coming into the season, and frankly, uh, if, I feel like they, my low expectations have been met. So
0: yes, I think the Arsenal-Cardiff game was a lot of fun and definitely the craziest of the weekend. For best player and best moment, I'm kind of uh, smashing them into two games here. Best player is uh, Jose Holabas, and best moment has got to be the Watford win over Tottenham.
1: And that was good. Well, especially for me, that was awesome. If I had to pick best player, I would probably say Danny Ings. I thought he was awesome in that Southampton game. Um, Danny Ings has been a, v- you know, a very sneaky, clever signing by Southampton, and I think he's really fit in with that system, and he's he has a really good partnership with Charlie Austin, and I think he might have a, a really good season, kind of like when he was playing at Burnley a couple seasons ago before he moved to Liverpool. Um, sad story about Danny Ings, but I think he's a very talented striker. Um, I think best moment, though... Ooh. Honestly, and I'm only doing this for jokes, I, that Joe Hart penalty save was hilarious. It's just I I couldn't believe it while I was watching it. And it, the fact that Joe Hart saved a penalty after just being a terrible goalkeeper for the last couple of weeks is just
0: hilarious, and that's never going to happen again. So I think that was an awesome moment. At classic Man United, Paul Pogba stepping up with his little, little tiny baby steps, and then Joe Hart saves the penalty. And then the last superlative, the best goal, I think we can both agree that it's Kyle Walker's. That was just an absolute rifle against Newcastle.
1: Oh, I, I absolutely. I think Kyle Walker again, a, a, kind of an underrated player because he has so much attacking talent in in on Manchester City. But it, it was a beautiful goal. I also want to give a special shout out to that Lacazette goal to make it three two. I mean. It was the perfect shot. Uh, I just I couldn't believe it when he did it. I never thought he had it in him to just rifle that shot into the top of the net. The the goalkeeper's reaction on Cardiff City was priceless. Uh, you know, Kyle Walker was great. It deserves goal of the
0: weekend. But that Lacazette goal was awesome too. Kyle Walker might have goal of the season right now. I think him and uh series goal uh, for match day three, probably the top two candidates and then uh, players of the month and manager of the month, goal of the month. That's all going to be decided. Uh, I think in two weeks from, from now um, premier league.com uh, released the nominees for that, but we're going to move on to a little bit of international talk. There is no premier league next weekend. We're still going to do podcasts, but we're going to be talking about countries instead of clubs because it's our first international break since the World Cup. And it is the debut of the brand new UEFA Nations League. And now, if you don't know what it is, this is basically UEFA's response to people saying, I hate the international break because none of the games really matter. Because you get these World Cup qualifiers where England plays Lithuania and wins 3-0, or you get these friendlies that literally have no meaning. Now, You have a competition that isn't just a bragging rights competition where we're going to see teams with similar quality play each other um, month in, month out during the breaks, but it's also a second chance for smaller European nations to qualify for Euro 2020 because there's going to be four playoffs within each of the four leagues based on the standings and how teams do in the actual qualifying, and teams are going to have second chances to qualify for Euro 2020. Four of them will um, qualify through the UEFA Nations League playoffs which is really cool but in league a there are some sick groups and we are going to get some amazing matches uh during this international break and what what the better way to start at esteban than with thursday's germany and france the last two world champions playing each other i cannot wait to sit down and watch this game
1: Oh, I it, believe me. I, I will not be watching Wales versus Republic of Ireland, which is occurring at the same time. I think the whole world is going to be watching Germany versus France. I'm very excited to see how Germany responds after their really, really bad World Cup. I think France, you know, there is a, always a tendency with France to be very arrogant, especially after winning a World Cup or winning a major tournament, um, for them to have a, a real stinker afterwards. But I love this group of players. I thought they were the best team in the World Cup. Obviously, they won the World Cup. Kylian Mbappe is one of the best players in the world already and he's only 19 or 18 and I just cannot wait to see what these two Titans of world football do on an actual game it's not a friendly everybody's gonna try to win it and I'm very I'm very excited to see and I think both teams want to beat the other I think it's a great rivalry and Germany's going to come to play and France wants to make you know make sure that the world knows that it was no fluke that they won the World Cup so I'm extremely excited for that I'm also excited for another league a, uh, a game Italy versus Poland. Poland had a bad World Cup. Italy obviously didn't make the World Cup, but Italy's trying to get back into form. I'm very curious to see how Roberto Mancini uh, is able to perform with this younger side and this younger team. Maybe Mario Balotelli comes back into the fold. That's going to be great. He's always entertaining. And of course, my other big matchup of the weekend, England versus Spain. I feel like it's a conflict that's been happening since the 1500s. You know, We're going to have a rematch of that, and I'm very excited for it, of course. These are the two countries that I probably support the most outside of the United States. I'd love to see how Harry Kane performs in Spain. Uh, I'd love to see if maybe there are some Real Madrid scouts or Barcelona scouts that are watching. The Tottenham 3, you know, the, the maybe Kieran Trippier can become the new David Beckham at Real Madrid. Who knows? But I'm very excited for that matchup. I, I think it's going to be a fantastic weekend,
0: especially when it comes to the European squads. Yeah, I can't wait to see it, too. But hate to burst your bubble, Esteban, but... I'm re I-, I saw some reports today that Harry Kane might not even play because they might be holding him off potentially for an injury. And also the game is going to be a Wembley. So Madrid Barca scouts are going to have a little bit of a trip. It's possible, but I'm excited to see England versus Spain and e- Harry Kane is in the squad, but like, these teams are not picking like amateurs to play in their games. They're picking their top squads. I mean, you look at the France squad, it's basically their world cup winning team. They're bringing Mbappe, They're bringing Pogba. They're bringing pretty much everybody. I don't know who's going to be in goal because Lloris is injured. Uh, we could see Mendenda or Ariola in there, but uh, these teams are bringing their a game, but there's even more matches that are going to be happening from Sunday through Tuesday. France is playing Holland. We'll see what happens there. Holland needs to uh, get their act together after missing the last two tournaments. I cannot wait also to see Portugal and Italy on the the day, the first day of the Jewish calendar on Rosh Hashanah. Ronaldo against his Italian Juventus teammates, Chiellini uh, and Bonucci. Uh, first time he's going to play against them as a Juventus player. And also Spain against Croatia, Croatia's first game after making the World Cup final, taking on Spain. But we know League A is going to be amazing. But uh, you maybe want to pinpoint out a team, Esteban, that you're excited to see between uh, League B and maybe League C. Because League D is kind of, you know, the niche countries that people don't really know. So between League B and C, what teams uh, could you want to point out maybe to uh, that you're excited to see?
1: Well, I'm excited to see whales. Uh, um, you know Gareth Bale is going to have a new coach in Ryan Giggs, Aaron Ramsey. You know that, that Wel- Welsh team is only two years older since they made the Euro semifinal. Of course, they were disappointed not to make the World Cup, but I think th- this team has a lot of talent and a lot of quality, and they should be pretty entertaining to watch. Um, Ireland is always fun. Scotland is always a train wreck, so that's fun. You know the British Isles teams are always interesting to watch. One storyline that I think everybody should be very watchful for is that Denmark is currently having a problem with their coaching staff and their uh, football association. Association. So there's a real possibility, and this is not this is not a lie. There's a real possibility that Denmark is going to have to call up a bunch of amateur players and futsal players to get into their Danish squad when they play Wales in the Nations League on Sunday because of this row between the coaches and unions and uh, the Danish FA. So, that's something to look out for. Obviously, Christian Eriksen and the Danes were able to get to the round of 16 where they lost on penalties, but uh, this dispute is, is crazy. I've never seen a country have to resort to using amateur players and futsal players to play in a major UEFA competition. So, I'm very excited and curious to see what happens. Uh, with that, um, I, you know, there's obviously some teams that you know need to that I like watching for a variety of different reasons. But you've got, you know, your Bosnias, your Greeces, you know, East, Eastern European teams that are slowly rising in, you know, in prestige across the European landscape. But uh, I, I would I would look out very closely in that Scandin- in that uh, da- Danish team. I think that's going to be
0: a really interesting story. Yeah, that, we'll see how that pans out when we get to that game on Sunday when they're going to be taking on Wales. Um, there's other, there's other inter- international matches too. It's not just the Nations League. Uh, the Women's World Cup qualifying is continuing, including some friendlies for the U.S. women's national team. Uh, but fun fact, Scotland, Scotland's women's team, first ever time. They're going to be at the World Cup. They just qualified for the Women's World Cup uh, along with England. So maybe we get an England-Scotland World Cup group in France. How cool would that be? Uh, Some of the normal teams, though, have qualified too out of Europe. Norway, World Cup winners in uh, 1995. Sweden, always a perennial contender tend to always beat or draw the united states whenever they're in a world cup or in an olympics and then germany the two-time world champions from 2003 and 2007 have qualified for the women's world cup which is coming up in less than a year there's also some men's international friendlies the u.s men are playing brazil and mexico during this break and also we've got qualification um continuing and getting underway for some teams for the africa cup of nations which is moving to the summer it's usually played in the winter but it's moving towards the summer and the afs and uh the CAF did the same thing as UEFA and expanded the tournament to 24 teams. So we're going to see a lot of, uh, great premier league players from Africa in action over the next couple of days. Just taking a look at some of the qualifiers on that first, uh, Saturday, uh, Morocco is going to be playing, uh, Gabon with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang against Burundi. Could be a lot of goals there. Nigeria and South Africa are going to be in action. They're not playing each other. Uh, you could see Mo in Egypt take on Nigeria. So lots of interesting uh, action in, in Africa for sure. And Asia is going to be getting ready uh, in a few months for the uh, Asian Cup, which is going to be taking place in January in the United Arab Emirates. But I guess the final point for today, let's talk a little U.S. men. How important is it for this young U.S. men's team to get a result or something against Brazil or Mexico?
1: I guess my perspective on this has changed from in previous years. I would say in previous years I'd say it's very important for this men's national team to perform at a high level against these high level oppositions. But frankly I, I could care less about the results this time around. I care about the individual performances from these younger players that are getting an opportunity at the you know in the senior level. I want to see how Weston McKinney plays. I wanna see Tyler Adams. I want to see, you know, John Brooks. I mean he's obviously a little more of a veteran, but I you know, Matt Miasga, Cameron Carter's Vickers. I wanna see these I wanna see these kids perform at a high level against Brazil and I want them to actually try to take the game to the Brazilians even if they lose the result 3 nothing, or they get completely destroyed as long as they're trying to play positive football and try to have a cohesive unit I'll be, more, I'll be really happy about that. But I could care less if they could, they could lose both games by four goals, and I don't think that it will negatively impact the future of the men's national team program. They've already missed the World Cup. We need these players to play as much as possible. We need them to play against opposition, and it doesn't matter the result. It matters them
0: performing at the highest level that they possibly can. I would totally agree with that. I hope, though, we don't lose... To Mexico for nothing. I mean, that's the one game where I don't want us to get killed because that's our rival. I don't want to lose four nothing to Mexico. That's never fun. But uh, if you want some confidence going in, the last game for the U.S. men's team was a one-all draw against France in Paris before the World Cup in a friendly. So the U.S. technically is the world champions because they didn't lose to that France team. So that's I sort love of that a, UCF lo- a, a
1: UCF <laughs> logic.
0: Yeah, there you go. I use the flawless associative proper logic to determine that the United States has won a World Cup so there's plenty of international action that's going to be happening over the weekend and then we're going to get back into the Premier League Um, it's all kicking off and then after the Premier League uh, in two weeks the Champions League we're back to the Champions League Liverpool's going to play PSG and there's going to be uh, 20 goals in that game it's going to be uh, 10-10 it's going to be an amazing contest 10-10 do you you think so? (laughs) Maybe
1: I, I, I honestly I could imagine a five four kind of game, but uh, wait before we go I wanna I wanna I, I wanna do one more thing about international play. Um, CONCACAF Nations League. It's the you know the same thing as in uh, the UEFA Nations League. They're doing the qualifying tournament right now for the Gold Cup. Now usually nobody would care about this, but I care about this because I'm Puerto Rican. Puerto Rico is gonna play in this. Nations League tournament uh, against lower-level opposition for the first time in their history. Um, And here's the thing. There's only four games. It's going to be happening every international break. Um, And here's the thing. Puerto Rico has never made a Gold Cup. Puerto Rico doesn't have any kind of soccer history or anything like that. But because the United States, Canada, and all these other bigger countries have already qualified for the Gold Cup, Puerto Rico has a genuine chance to make the Gold Cup next season, which would be the first time in Puerto Rican history that they've ever made a major tournament. So for any Puerto out there that are listening to this podcast uh the Concacaf nations league first match between saint kid and nevis against puerto rico is going to happen on sunday at 8 p.m i don't know where you can watch it but go on twitter try to you know keep up with the results because this is this is puerto rico's chance to actually do something in soccer so i'm really excited for it and i hope people can get excited for all these you know lower level Concacaf teams that are trying to get into
0: a major tournament for the first time in their history Yeah, and just a chance for anyone to watch uh, any of the nations that they love play. That's the great thing about rooting for your country. You know, everyone has a team they can root for um, in their country and have the patriotism. And last thing, how'd you do in the picks? I got five games right. I predicted the Liverpool scoreline perfectly. I did think they would concede. Yeah, you beat me this week. I
1: mean, just yes. 100%. Uh, you absolutely beat me. I got the Liverpool result wrong. Uh, you beat me on Chelsea Bournemouth. You beat me on... Uh, well, we basically tied on Brighton-Fulham. We tied on Everton. uh we tied on Crystal Palace. It was mostly a tie, or you beat me. I didn't get a lot of results right, although I did get the uh, the West Ham- uh, what was it uh, the Arsenal game right because I picked that Cardiff would score, um, and I also picked the Burnley result correctly because I even though I didn't they didn't score a goal, I got the goal difference right. But you totally
0: beat me. I only got like two right. So congratulations yeah. to you. We're tied now, or and basically starting, you have one, and we're tied. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get scores right, too. I've only gotten two right this season, 2 two ones. but I'm glad I picked Allison to make a mistake, but even though I, I wasn't happy to see it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were just talking about that last week, that at some point he's
1: going to make a mistake. I didn't expect it to be so quickly, but it did happen, so it did I happen. wonder if it, it happens again.
0: It was a bad back pass by Van Dyke, but it was more of a mistake by Allison. He should have just kicked it out of his box and didn't have to be fancy and then let... Ianacho just basically steal it off of him and let Ghezal score. But that's the way things go. No Premier League for the for the next week, but uh, we've got plenty of soccer, plenty of sports. There's so much going on. For Esteban Bailey, Amori Benatar. Thank you for listening. For uh, anyone of the Jewish faith out there, have a happy new year. I will not be on the podcast for the next week, so have a happy new year. Enjoy the international break. Uh, go USA, and uh, we'll see you next time.